the Lord has put on my heart. This will not be as long as last year's. Last year we had a theme on faith, and uh, we looked at the book of, or the chapter, Hebrews chapter number 11, and I think we went from January all the way to October. We will not go that long with this theme, but we're going to look at this book for the next few months, and uh, you see it on the wall behind me. Uh, God is at work. We'll look at this as we get into this book and we get into this introductory message. Whether we see it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we (laughs) agree or not, God is at work. And God is always at work. He has always been at work, always will be at work. God is at work in such a time as this. When you look at the Word of God, you see God at work in each of those time periods. We are now in 2024, and we, I think, for the most part, are all alive, right? Some of you are sleeping on me. (laughs) It's 2024 now. God has us here, and He has us here for such a time as this. Uh, Our life isn't just to hang on till Jesus comes again. Our life isn't just to live one day and the next day and just to try to make it through the day or try to make it to retirement or try to make it where life gets easier. It never will get easier. (laughs) The older I get, the more, you know, when you're younger, you think, when I just can drive, then you got to pay for the gas. When I can just go to college, then you got to pay for the college bills, right? When I can just get married, and then you realize that, Although marriage is a wonderful thing, uh, you have to work at it sometimes. And you say, well, if I could just retire and be like, you know, Jim Thomas, I'll have no problems in my life. And you realize that uh, life always has challenges. But here's the deal. God in heaven, just as sure as he put Esther on this planet for such a time, has put you and I here for such a time as this. I don't have to remind you, you know already the challenges that we face here in America in the past two, three years, right? Two, three, four years. And uh, it probably, not that I want to be a doom and gloom person because I don't like to be doom and gloom, uh, it probably will get worse. We have to recognize that God has us here. He could have put us in the time of Esther. He could have put us, had us live in the time of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he put us here, and he put his church here for 2024. And I want us to recognize that we're here for such a time as this, and God is working, and God, as part of his plan, wants to use you and me in our time now, 2024. I want to read one verse by way of introduction, and most of this message will be an introductory message as we kind of get an overview of the book. Esther chapter 4 and verse number 14 is where we get our theme. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace, Mordecai is communicating to Esther, who was queen at the time, and asked to go in to the king and appeal for her people, the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall be enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. I love the faith of Mordecai in this verse. Esther, if you don't go in to the king, God will deliver the Jews some other way. 
He didn't say we're doomed. He knew the word of God. And we'll look at that in just a little bit. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Think about that. Why does God have you at Victory Baptist Church? Why does God have you living where you live? Why does God have you working where you work? Why does God have you going to school where you go to school? God has us here that God might use us just like he used Esther to make a difference in 2024. How many of you saw the sign when you came in? Be the change that you want to see in the world. It's easy for us to say, man, this world is wicked. It's easy for us to say people need God. It's easy for us to say, God, you need to send revival. And I think those are good things. But the reality is we have to recognize, God, can you send revival to me? God, can you use me to be an agent of change, to let my light shine in 2024 in the sphere of influence that I have? God, would you use me like Esther? We'll see this in just a little bit. Esther wasn't the most likely individual to be used the way she was used. God can use any of us if we'll get a vision and we'll let God to use us. Such a time as this. I want to have a word of prayer. And then let's talk about this book of Esther. Lord, we love you today. Lord, thank you for the many Bible characters that you gave us their story. And Lord, you're still writing your story. And Lord, we're part of your story. And Lord, I do pray that you would help us to recognize those challenges may be ours in 2024. You're still on the throne. You're still in control. You're still at work. And you still want to use us. Lord, would you do what only you can do here today? I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would glorify yourself. Lord, if any work's to be done, you must do it. Lord, I pray you would. In Jesus' name, amen. Scholars do not know who wrote the book of Esther. One commentator mentioned that whoever wrote it was familiar with the Persian culture and language. He likewise was familiar with the Jewish culture. The book takes place between 483 and 473 B.C. It actually fits between chapters 6 and 7 of the book of Ezra. There was a time when the Jewish remnant was struggling. It was a time when they were struggling to rebuild their nation, but the people were not totally committed to God. We do know there were some Jews that returned to Palestine from captivity, the book of Esther gives us really a glimpse of what happened to the Jews that remained under Persian rule. Interesting in this book, the word king is found close to 100 times. A specific name of a king is mentioned 30 times. But the name of God is not mentioned at all in the whole book. It's interesting that God would give us a book where he is at work in such a time as this, and his name not be mentioned at all. One commentator said this, G. Campbell Morgan, while there is no name of God and no mention of the Hebrew religion, anywhere one reads the book, anywhere, no, no one reads the book without being conscious of God. 
I want to give you a brief description of this book as I see it by way of introduction. I want us to see, number one, I have three thoughts for you this morning. I want us to see, number one, that Esther is a book of God's care. It is a book that demonstrates God's care. Now, sometimes when we think about the care of God, God's care isn't always seen. In Genesis chapter number 12, you can turn here if you want, God made a promise to Abraham. Obviously, this promise was a promise that Mordecai had to be familiar with because he said God will deliver the Jews some other way. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and verse number 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You think about what's going on over there in the Middle East, and you have promise from the word of God that God will take care of Israel. He will take care of his people. He says that he will. And we think concerning the care of God. Sometimes we think concerning, imagine yourself being one of the children of Israel. Imagine yourself being one of the Israelites. There were times when it seemed like they were going to be, uh, be destroyed. If you think about the book of Exodus, Exodus, Pharaoh, there rose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph and that made it hard on God's people and, and, and put them in bondage. And when they left and they went across the Red Sea, they chased after them with chariots and God destroyed their enemies. You think about the story of David and Goliath. Goliath comes out and Goliath is intimidating the Israelites. The Philistines there had all the Israelites hunkered down in fear. And in God's time, God sent David, a man of faith, that killed Goliath and God delivered his people. Every enemy that tried to destroy the Jewish nation failed. Passover celebrates victory over Egypt. Hanukkah celebrates victory over Junus Maccabeus and the cleansing of the temple. Purim celebrates their victory over Haman. God's care may not always be seen, but God always does care. Remember what God told Moses when he called Moses to be the leader of the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land. He said, I hear their cry. Sometimes we don't see God's care. Sometimes we don't understand God's care. Israel often found themselves under the chastisement of God for their sins. So God's got this, we see, balancing act, you might say. They, they, you, you were studying the book of Judges. And there's time when they love the Lord. And they're close to the Lord and, and they see the blessing of God and then they get their eyes off of the Lord and they get their eyes on something else and they get far from God and God has to chasten them and bring them back to himself and he often chastened them with enemies of the Israelites. Prior to the rise of any Persian king, God used the Babylonian Empire to conquer the Israelites and take them into captivity. This was his judgment for them forsaking him. The Babylonian Empire was defeated by Cyrus II of the Persian Empire. He fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 44 and released the Jews to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. I want you to turn with me for a minute to Judges chapter number 6. The book of Judges chapter number 6. I'll give you an example of what I'm trying to communicate here. 
when it comes to this matter of not understanding the care of God. By the way, God will allow us, sometimes our greatest need is to be in need. God will allow us to need him. Israel is under the tyranny of the Midianites. And the Bible says in verse 6 of Judges 6, And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. The Lord sent a prophet. Uh, the children of Israel said, Thus saith the Lord, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you forth out of the house of bondage. I want you to slide down to the call of God on Gideon. The angel says in verse 12, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. What's going on here? Gideon is talking to God. And Gideon is saying to God, I don't understand. I don't understand your care. You see, you see the Lord is with us, but look around. We're enslaved. Look around. We're fearful because of the Midianites. And God in his care is trying to bring the nation of Israel back to himself. And to do that, he's got them in bondage. And we see this throughout the word of God. But sometimes we don't see or we don't understand the care of God. Think about Martha and Mary when Lazarus died. Lord, if, if you had been here, he, he wouldn't have died. If you had cared, you would have come and you would have healed him. And what did Jesus want to do? He wanted to show that I'm, I, I'm not just a healer. I'm the resurrection and the life. When you look at the book of Esther, taking it at face value, sometimes we have a little bit of a challenge because we're familiar with the scriptures. Sometimes we familiarity, we miss what we uh, uh, the, sometimes the, the obvious there because we know what the ending is. But imagine reading this book for the first time. You read this book for the first time and you find yourself saying, okay, the Jews are God's chosen people, but oh, look what's going to happen. They're all going to be wiped out. And you could find yourself thinking through Esther and this book and you can find yourself thinking God cares, but I don't see it. God cares, but I, I really don't understand it until you come along and you see God, his sovereignty, intervening and God delivering his people. You see, our story hasn't been written completely yet. And we can find ourselves in 2024 as part of God's story, as part of God's plan. We can find ourselves facing challenges where we can wonder, does God really care? Why is God letting me suffer so much? Why does this pain, why does it hurt so much? We can find ourselves saying, hey, I don't understand what God's doing. Though he slay me, I need to trust him. God gives us this wonderful book, not only, by the way, to encourage the Jews, because the Jews are finding themselves under Persian rule, to encourage the Jews, Jews that God cared. But he gives us this book as we read it to encourage us that God cares in the midst of difficulty. I remember 
when I first, I think it was my junior year of college, went back to, I've told this story before, it's been a while, came back in the summers, I would work at a place in the city called M. Cardone Industries, they remanufactured car parts, and my job there every summer uh, was to work in the shipping department, it was a very clean, very simple, I knew what I was doing, it was very easy and simple. And uh, one summer I came and they put me there for about a week, and then they transferred me over to production. Production was loud. <laughs> it was, it was uh, busy. Uh, the area was not near as clean as, you know, they, they hear they put me in this. And I, I didn't know what God was doing. And I thought, I don't like this too much. And um, I think at the time my dad worked over there, that was the only plus. I, I mean that, not just because he might be listening, but I'm telling the truth. <laughs> well, lo and behold, I didn't recognize that that was the summer that I needed to earn money to get back to college. But it was also the summer that I needed to have wisdom teeth taken out. And as I talked to the doctor and this and that, and they said, yeah, we can do it, we can do it this summer. Well, just before I needed my wisdom teeth taken out, they transferred me again. Now it's midsummer, you know, 90 degrees. In the warehouse, it's a lot hotter, right? It's 100 degrees. That was the other reason I didn't like it. It was hot and just smelly and... Long story short, they transferred me to a nice air-conditioned office. How about that? And they said, I want you to come, to, I want you to, uh, to create a manual. Parts would come in. They disassemble the parts. They clean the parts in all these furnaces, and they had all these rules and regulations. They'd put them back together, and they'd sell them as remanufactured car parts. And my job that summer was to come up with a manual on how each part would come in and what they do procedure. I think I missed two days of work with my surgery because why? Because I wasn't doing any manual labor. Had I been in the shipping department, I probably would have missed three weeks, maybe more. You see, I didn't understand what God was doing, but God knew what he was doing. And God moved me along and had me right where I needed to be at the time I needed. God cares. Number two, as we look at this book... It's a book that communicates God's control. God's control. Now think with me, those of you that are obviously familiar uh, with this book, um, it was a time really of a godless culture. I mean, you think about it, a wicked ruler. I mean, these were not God-fearing people. You think about, just for a minute, what did Ahasuerus ask his wife to do? You think about Haman and Haman's plot to destroy Mordecai and to destroy all of the Jews. We think about this and you think, wow, again, as you look at this book, and sometimes we, our familiarity stops us from getting it as, as they felt it there. Here they are under Persian rule, a wicked ruler. By the way, <laughs> I think we live in nation where our leadership is not God-fearing. I think our culture is godless when you think about it. And some of the things that we find ourselves saying, whoa, why would that governor veto that bill? We find ourselves saying, whoa, why would they allow uh, men to, to box women? What? And we look, their culture was worse than our culture. And sometimes if we're not careful, the devil will put fear in us 
And we'll find ourselves thinking that our culture is so far removed from God, the condition is so bad that God cannot work, and that is not true. God is as strong as he's always been. God is not limited by ungodliness in our culture and in our leadership. And by the way, I think it'd be good for our our people in Washington to recognize, though they think they're in control, and they think behind the scenes who's working that they're working and orchestrating things behind the scenes. And I have news for them: God's still in control, and we can find comfort in the fact that God is in control. Jews didn't know what was going to happen. Mordecai didn't know what was going to happen. Mordecai had confidence that God was going to deliver the Jews. But he said to Esther, hey, you better get in there and you better do something or we're, we could be destroyed. God will deliver somehow, some way. God's control is not limited in any way, shape, or form. Someone said this, no one can act outside of God's sovereign will or against it. Centuries ago, Augustine said, nothing therefore happens unless the omnipotent wills it to happen. Another commentator said this, under God, however, all things are without exception fully controlled, despite all appearances to the contrary. Nothing is too large or small to escape God's governing hand. The spider building its web in the corner, hopefully not over there by Duke and Carroll, and Napoleon marching his army across Europe are both under God's control. Someone said this, the sovereignty of God is the one impregnable rock to which the suffering human heart must cling. The circumstances surrounding our lives are no accident. They may be the work of evil, but that evil is held firmly within the mighty hands of our sovereign God. All evil is subject to him. Evil cannot touch his children unless he permits it. God is the Lord of human history and of the personal history of every member of his redeemed family. That's you and that's me. In Genesis 12, we said already God purposed that he was going to take care of his Oh, Herod tried real hard. We just celebrated Christmas. Tried real hard to kill baby Jesus, didn't he? We think about the attempts that were made of Pharaoh to destroy Moses and the Hebrew children. Nebuchadnezzar's attempt to destroy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And boy, he turned that fire up as hot as could be, didn't he? He lost his most faithful, trusted men because of the heat of the flames. And yet God, in his sovereignty, had them walking around just like they were walking around in air conditioning. You see, God's in control. He's in control. We think about Peter in prison in Acts chapter 12. God delivered. Saul thought, King Saul, that he could kill David. He sent the whole army after him. I mean, he spent most of, a lot of his kingship just chasing David. And with a whole army at his disposal, God said, you're not going to touch David. And he didn't. We see the control of God. A Hungarian, countless years ago, professed unbeliever, commanded that her body be interred in a stone casket in a mausoleum that was to be built about it. A plate was placed on the front of the mausoleum, giving her name and some particulars of her death, 
And then the words, not to be opened for eternity. She would defy God to raise her from the dead. But while they were building that mausoleum and before sealing the body in that tomb, an acorn dropped into the tomb. And today there's an oak tree rising out of the center of it. It's broken asunder and the casket is exposed. It was opened by an acorn under the hand of Almighty God. God is in control. Someone wrote this, if there's a single event in all the universe, then it can occur outside of God's sovereign control, then we cannot trust him. His love may be infinite, but if, power, if his power is limited and his purpose can be thwarted, we cannot trust him. And we know that there's not an event that can occur outside of God's control. This book is about God's care. It's about God's control. I want you to see a third thought, and this is really where I really hope the Lord will challenge all of us. And that's with regards to God's call. In chapter number four, where we read already, we have two uh, characters interacting. We have Mordecai, the Bible says, uh, Mordecai, and we have Esther. Mordecai was a godly Jewish man who allowed God to put him in a humble position of servitude. He was an attendant in the king's gate. He faithfully served God where God put him. And let me just stop and say that that is so important. If you would show up at the palace, you might see Mordecai there as a servant and not think that he was anybody. He's a small potato, you might say. But the reality is God had him there for such a time as this. It was Mordecai that recorded, and we'll see this, those that were trying to usurp the king uh, and the king's authority. Mordecai was a man that was just faithfully serving the Lord. And I want to say this. God has a specific task for you and me today. Are we faithfully serving God where God has put us? You see, it's easy to look past. It's easy to look ahead. But do you know God is at work right now in 2024? And we're part of his plan. Oh, we're not going to be, unless, we know, unless God does something we don't know about. For what we can tell, the scriptures are all fulfilled, right? They're all right here in the word of God. We're not going to be a Bible character, maybe in, in, in the Bible like these men and women are. But we're just as important. We're just as important to the story of God right now. And recognizing that God wants us to faithfully serve him. We think about Esther. Esther was a Jewish orphan girl. Her Hebrew name was Hadessa. Her Persian name was Esther. The word Esther means star. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai that treated her as his own daughter. Imagine the thoughts that might have gone through Esther's mind as an orphan. Imagine sometimes the thoughts that go through our mind when we think, we allow the devil to get us thinking, well, God can't use me. I didn't come from a Christian home. I have baggage in my life. I wasn't saved till I was older. 
I never went to a Christian school. I never went to a Christian college. By the way, to whom much is given, much shall be required. If God allowed you to go to a Christian high school, God allowed you to go to Bible college, hey, much will be required. But the reality is we get ourselves thinking that God can't somehow use us. I don't know how to talk like someone. I can't sing like, I can't play, I can't. And that's all the devil trying to get us to believe lies to keep us from making a difference. Esther, a Jewish orphan girl, was used in a great way. Used by God to deliver God's people. No matter what your story has been up to this point, God has included you in His story. Can I say that? What a privilege it is to know Christ as our personal Savior. Sometimes we take that for granted. What a privilege it is for us to be part of His story, to be part of God's story. There's a whole lot of people out there that are on their way to hell and don't know of Jesus. And God saved us. And God wants us part of His story in 2024. Don't think the days of great opportunity are past. God wants to do great things now. Back, if you could make a timeline in your imagination. You got Adam and Eve over here. You got all the Bible characters, and, you know, your favorite ones, whatever they may be, Joseph and, and Daniel. And, and you've got the New Testament, and you've got Peter and the disciples and they're all gone. You had a revivals in the 17, 18, 1800s. Hey, guess where we are now? 2024. We don't know how long that timeline will go. But just as important as each of these, you're just as important. And the work that God has for you to do today is just as important.